The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hi and welcome to episode 74 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Hello. Uh, we will become incredibly excited as the podcast goes on, but it's only fair because it is the biggest thing, despite how good yesterday was. Uh, the most, the biggest news around Leeds United is the sad passing of Jack Charlton at the age of 85. Uh, it's obviously... Not only is his peak footballing years before us, but I think he left the Republic of Ireland job in 1996, and that's when my football memories start. So everything about him for me is secondhand, but just the outpouring from all over football in pretty much every major footballing country, clubs and FAs and everything have been talking about him. It just shows how, how respected he was for how and how great a player he was, and a great bloke as well, by the sound of it. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think anyone that's spent any amount of time with him within football probably that's a good story about him seemingly everyone has at least one good story about Jack Charlton um, you know there's been a couple of uh, people on on Quickly Kevin that have, that have spoken about him with uh, with his time with the Republic of Ireland I think even my mum was telling me the other day about um, about a fan who who had, uh, had watched him walking into the game once an Astra fan and uh, and Jack Charlton had told him to fuck off, and then waited for him the next week. And Jack Charlton going up to him, going, "I thought I told you to fuck off," yeah. which uh, which I quite liked. Is um, and I'm trying to remember where it, where it was. I don't know if it was. Uh, I can't remember which book it is. It might be Damned United, where Jack Charlton's described as a one man awkward squad, mm. which I've which I've always found a fantastic description of someone. Yeah, he's, um, as I say, obviously the, the main thing is, you know, his friends and family, it must be awful, but 85, it was an incredibly well-lived life. It's, uh, there's I'm, never fantastic. there's never a nice time, but this isn't one where I've had myself, oh, it's the biggest year in the world, he had an excellent life. Uh it sounds like he hadn't been. It sounds like he'd had a couple of years of struggle because he had lim- he'd been diagnosed with lymphoma in the last year and he was struggling with dementia. Yeah. Uh, have you had chance to? Have you been chance read the obituary on the Athletic? Uh, I haven't had chance to yet. No. Oh, it's it's really really good. It's really well written. Yeah, I think I think one of the uh, the the nicest pictures I've actually seen in amongst all this is him at a game. In it must be 2014, and you just see him kicking a ball back into play during the warm up, and I think someone's holding on to him, and it almost looks like he's an old age fan that's tried to run onto the pitch and, and have a go. Um, but so even a man at you know would have been 80, 81 at that point is still kicking every ball. Bless him. Mm. But yeah, I mean, obviously record number of appearances for Leeds, won the World Cup with England, got the Republic of Ireland team as a manager for 
to the first major tournament and to quarterfinals at World Cup, which is still the furthest they've got, and he did it twice. Yeah, football uh, writers player of the year as well. Yeah, uh, I think was I think it was the year after after Bobby Charlton won it as well. Uh, yeah, I think it was sixty seven. Yeah, uh, in terms, there's not there's not many the footballing career. The Won the League Cup, won the Fairs Cup twice. Yeah, it's 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 a phenomenal career, absolutely yeah. fantastic, and, and all that considering he he made his debut in was it the mid fifties? Uh, I be, like I when I wrote about it, I think he joined like the ground staff as they did with the young players then in nineteen fifty. So I think his debut was fifty three. So you think, and I well want to say it was Donny Rovers. I don't have the thing that I wrote in front of me because obviously I was just looking stuff up for that. I can't protect. I even said in the article, you know, look up people who know who were able to write better about this than me. Yeah, you know, because there will be some tremendous ones out there. But you just you just think of that's when you make your debut, and and his first the first bit of silverware would have been the League Cup win, which is. Nearly ten years after your debut. Yeah. Well, did you see the story about his about when he was making his debut? Uh, no. But oh, I'll I'll have to actually find it now so that I don't make a mess of it. But it was uh, it was really funny. It's basically about him and John Charles. Oh, I think I have a. Yeah. <laughs> Where John Charles says, "Who's Who the this Jack? Who, Who the, the fuck, fuck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, a ringing endorsement on your debut. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's one of the most indirect things that Jack Charlton brought to Leeds United. Him coming in at centre back freed up John Charles to play up front. Yeah. Um, no, like I say it's, it's it's an absolutely phenomenal career, both both as a manager and as a player you know there's there's i mean in terms of english players there's what 22 players i think or 20 players that have got a world cup winners medal yeah that's it not yeah. like not like in brazil yeah they've all, they've all got them there yeah it's nothing over there it's can't like even it's, get you a table at a restaurant over there <laughs> it's like it's like having an england under 21 cap we've all done it yeah but there aren't, you know, to be a guy who won the World Cup with England like that, in in the same team as your brother, which must feel even better, really, fame. And to also be the man who changed Irish football forever, and that's the quote that they sent out. Yeah. Like, there's not many that have two countries where you're basically hero-worshipped. No, no there's, there's a slight difference between kind of a football club adopting someone as a, you know, in our case, as an honorary Yorkshireman, as, as Aishi and Pablo Hernandez is at this stage. Well, and Jack, and Jack Charlton gets to be if he, want, if he wanted to be, but because, I mean, he's from Ashington, isn't he? <laughs> but, but Jack Charlton was literally made an honorary Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> by yeah, the Irish got, government. freedom of Dublin. <laughs> yeah, like... Um, yeah, that wasn't just a thing the crowd bestowed upon him. It was literally given to him by the Irish government. So I, just, I had a, a BBC article 
just to see if it said anything. And one of the links in it is uh, apparently Jack Charlton did uh, Desert Island Discs. Oh, okay. Five, 25th of October, 1996, and they've put it up as a podcast. Oh, wow. That would be good. Back when Sue Lawley, I'm assuming no relation, presented it. I mean, I'll, I'll claim it, but <laughs> you clearly I've never met Auntie Sue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it it's a real shame. Obviously, we've lost three in like what is it, two and a half months. Yeah. With Norman Hunter and Trevor Cherry, it's uh, decent back three for Don. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw someone say we we're building a hell of a five-a-side team up there. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I we will now get into current football, which. Luckily, is more cheerful, but we couldn't. It would have been. It wouldn't have been right to go to brush past it and then get to it at the end. Yeah, it it's, it it was it was horrendous news. But I suppose we're going to that, that entire team is getting to the age where this is going to happen quite frequently at this point. Yeah, and I, and I think again, someone saying that it, it must be tough. Uh, the likes of Eddie Gray and Alan Clark and, and Peter Lorimer, those who, those who are still here, that, yeah, it's now getting to the age. And I know uh, Jack Charlton's probably got a few years on on most of them, but... Yeah, like, he was in... He was... I mean, of that team, he's the oldest, isn't he, I think? Yeah, because he... Did he retire? Was it 72 or 73 that he retired? I, I want to say 73. Um. So yeah, obviously he never made the he didn't get to play in the, the European Cup final, but yeah, he was you know nearly ten years older than everyone else. Um but yeah, it's it's a shame when when you, you know you had this this class of, of players that were absolutely fantastic and, and an an elite group of players. Um and yeah, it's it, we're at that we're at that unfortunate point now. Yeah. But, Alan, there's nothing we can do about it. You just have to say, rest in peace, hope that that the family and friends are doing as well as they can in the circumstances, and then hope that Leeds can honour them with promotion, which we've put ourselves in a really good position to do. Yeah, talking about elite groups of players. We start, start this one with Stoke. Yeah, they were not an elite group of players. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Leeds 5, Stoke nil. Yeah, then... And we were I, all terrified about this match. <laughs> well, because again, you you look through that squad on paper and it's all right, they probably shouldn't be... You know, I wouldn't say they're, they're, they're a top team, but they should definitely be at least mid-table with that squad. Oh, minimum. Like, they should be far better than that. Like, there is one thing. Have you, Experimental 361 has updated their... Ben Mayhew is updated the uh, expected goals table that he does, uh, which is a really good one. He hasn't been able to update it for a few game weeks because obviously there hasn't been any days without games. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at that, Stoke a fifth in that table. Wow. Wigan, a fourth. We thought we were underperforming. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I don't 
really agree with Batilla because I think that all it uses is if you win a game by 0.3, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd, I'd make it 0.5. Well, let's not let's not split hairs over 0.2. Yeah, because I don't think it factors in enough draws, basically. But yeah, Wigan fourth, Stoke fifth. So Stoke, you could argue that they are a bit unlucky to be as low as they are. By the way, in twenty third is Bristol City, and in twenty first is Derby County. I bet they were a lot worse off before Wayne Rooney got there. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, by the way, KC, how many points do you reckon Leeds have? It, oh, in, in this XG table? In the XG table. Oh, God. Hundreds. Um, what are we on now? We're on 84 now. And we will be underperforming. I am going to say 97. That's uh, such a high points total. that undersells it by 12. <laughs> By the XG table, Leeds have 109 points. Oh, 34 wins, 7 draws, 2 defeats. So and I'm assuming the two defeats will be Millwall away and I'm not sure. Uh, I would The only other two games I can think of but it might be a West Brom away or Charlton away, one of those two. So, so with three games left in this XG table, we are, we are already beating Reading's record points total. Yeah, if there was any justice. But but the thing is that we never overperform as XG, unless we're playing Stoke. Uh, although we only just did, XG was like four. But yeah, this, it was a, we were the better side the entire way through, obviously, but it was a fairly tight game, this, up until Tommy Smith makes the sort of tackle that he should be fined two weeks' wages for. We... Yeah, it was very. It was a bit more open than the Luton game, I'd say. But Stoke did quite a good job of just staying organised, and and kept that up. and And we had a couple of chances. I think we had that early. Uh, I think it was a Jack Harrison shot that was parried wide by Butland right at the start. Yeah, that was after uh, that forty seconds or something. Yeah, so so we had a couple of chances, and there was there was some nice link up play. I think there was. Um, you know, a couple of Bamford chances. No, nothing, no, no great chances. But uh, yeah, and you just you were just kind of looking, thinking, well, Stoke, and just thinking that Stoke would be delirious to get into half time and having kept this nil nil. Um, and they looked as if they would. <laughs> yeah, and then, like you say, Tommy Smith managed to make a tackle in the smallest part of the penalty area that a player could be stood in. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good run from Helder Costa. Shows good pace, gets away, uh, celebrating his per- his move being made permanent. We uh, we we didn't really get into that, but the deal was already done when we made the loan at the start of the season, so it doesn't really feel like a signing. And clearly, a, a slow news day. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it gives away a penalty. Uh, Mateus Click tucks it away nicely. The person who pretty much every fan said should have been on penalties the whole time. Yeah, but I, I can't pretend I wasn't nervous. Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> I was terrified in this game until, I think, until Liam Cooper made it free. Yeah. And then I was good. Uh, but Leeds managed to ruin two Stoke City halftime team talks, which was quite impressive. 
because obviously they knacker won with Mateus Click's penalty just before half time. So they have it. Michael O'Neill gets him in, speaks to him, and about 90 seconds after half time, Helder Costa makes it too. This is one of the worst bits of marking I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how you managed to get that much space in a penalty area from from a long pass like that. Yeah. Well, I, uh, was it D- Dallas comes down, plays a one-two with Hernandez, who's just come on and absolutely ran the show in this game. But it, that's just always the case at the minute. It's a really good through ball from Dallas, but. The, they track Helder Costa so badly that he tries to cut back inside, assuming there's a defender near him. He messes up that touch and still has time to finish because the defenders are so far away. Yeah, I, I think we're all probably screaming at the TV. When hit he, it! First time! <laughs> Why are you cutting back to still hit it with your left foot? Well, I think if he hadn't messed the touch up, it would have been on his right foot. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, nice and simple finish. And like you say, within in terms of just actual game minutes, that's two goals in, in about five minutes. Mm. And it's absolutely knackered them. Yeah, uh, third goal, short corner from, well, I think it was Phillips to Hernandez. I know that Hernandez was the person who received it. But the ball just gets played out 30 yards away and Hernandez makes a run straight across the box that not one Stoke player follows. <laughs> uh, good through ball from Phillips to play him in, but Hernandez has loads of room. Good pullback. And Liam Cooper, it's a really good finish, but it was the movement that impressed me. It was really good instincts going in and then dropping back away from the defender to give himself space. Yeah, nice, nice movement. Just... Just check back a couple of steps, um, able to open his body up a bit and and nice left foot finish off the post. Yeah, really good goal. Uh, the Hernandez goal is the best oh. goal. The best oh. goal game. It was a great goal. Was, was, it, was it Ailing that played the great, the really good ball down the right for Costa? Yeah, I believe so. It's a few days ago now. Costa's pulled back. Bamford leaves it well and it's a great finish from Hernandez like it's you know it's 20 odd yards out and Butland doesn't get anywhere near it and wouldn't have even if he was in the form that he was in a few years ago yeah it's uh, it's what is it 30 passes in the build up yeah of which it was something like 26 were in our half yeah it's um, that's absolutely magic as El, part El Mago. Of, just it it was so clinical as well in as much as you know we retained the ball really well in our half kept it moving and then as soon as the opening was there we just went for it yeah like, it was so nice and and like you said Bamford with his nice little step over to leave it for Hernandez who just kills it in um and he's just He's just fantastic at the moment. This this role of coming off the bench is, has been brilliant. Yeah, it really seems to be suiting him. Like I'm sure if he was 100% fit, Bielsa would just start him. But what it gives it gives me hope for, you know, next season when he's, I mean, he won't be another year older in September or October. But you know what I mean. 
yeah. when he's getting older, it makes you think, well, if he does end up not being at a start every week, he's still going to be a really useful player. Yeah. Um, and... Even even at one 0 up, there was part of you could say, right? Well, we don't really need to bring him on, but you just you just watched him in that game, and just it's just everything about his game at this level. The his intelligence, his his passing, he could finish. He's he's dropping. You know, he finds the space deep to pick up the ball, and not even just a I'm not getting the ball up front, so I'm going to drop deep for it. He just knows where to pop up and, and I know it's been said time and again but he just always seems to find a yard of space wherever he is yeah well I I was um I was listening to uh the All Stats Out Wing podcast while I was working just be- just before I got on this with you and uh, they said something very good it was like Bielsa's the left brain you know logical calm it's all structural this is what we do and Pablo Hernandez is the right brain. He's the creativity, the problem solving in the moment, stuff like that. Yeah, and I, think, I, I like he, that. He is, and basically Hernandez is the perfect player to be in a Bielsa team. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he uh, he's just been so good off the bench, and just he just ran Stoke absolutely ragged. Yeah. And I was uh, when I was doing the play ratings for this game, I'd literally I, I, because the last you know ten minutes we eased off. It was fairly simple. I'd pretty much fin- I'd finished them before the game finished, and all I'd, and my ending for Bamford was played really well, involved everything. All that was missing was a goal, and then in the ninety third minute, great ball over the top. Uh, was it Ailing's pass again? I think yeah, over the top and runs onto it and it's a really good finish low across the keeper in off both posts which is probably at least as satisfying as in off the crossbar yeah and uh, I think the moment I loved about it was there's a brief moment when Jack Butland realises the ball's rolling back across and there's there's a bit of a flinch of I can save oh it's gone yeah um, god Jack Butland must hate Ellen Rudd <laughs> I think Stoke fans are turning on Jack Butland, so... Well, in fairness for sure, he's been absolutely appalling this season. <laughs> I, I Clearly, I'd never realised this until his, his name appeared to be trending, so I decided to step into the murky world of the, the views of Jack Butland, and I did not realise that there is a man who could deal with penalties worse than Peter Shilton did, but apparently Jack Butland never dives the right way. Yeah, and he's also just cost him so many games. Like, obviously, I mentioned earlier that Stoke are fifth in that XG table. I reckon you could contribute six or seven positions and just say that's down to Jack Butland. <laughs> in it was in it was in something in the first eight because can you remember when we played him at the Britannia? Adam Federici played. Yeah, and Butland wasn't injured. <laughs> they just dropped him. The you know, very recent England international. He'd just been that bad. But obviously, when he was at Leeds, he was behind a woeful defence. Last woeful se- midfield. Yeah. And Last a terrible se- front line. <laughs> Last season, he comes to Leeds. We've eaten 3-1, and he drops a great bollock for Hernandez's goal. And then he comes again a season later and ships five. He must really not like Ellen Rudd. No. But that's, that game is the preamble, really. 
Uh, it was a really good performance, played great, and still a bit and still a bit crap. But uh, well, I got. I'm, oh God, I'm trying to remember who messaged me. Oh, it was a guy who worked with Hoppo. He said, "This is the biggest goal that Leeds have scored since Beckford against Bristol Rovers." It's it's up there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you might be right. And it just the thing I loved about it was obviously we we kind of uh, just because st- I sa- just because the bit of my brain that does it has to cut me off. That was a terrible segue. I never said so. Swansea nil leads one. <laughs> but because otherwise it sounds a bit like I'm talking about Bamford's fifth in a five nil. Yeah. Win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, cause it start it just starts with this fairly casual Calvin pass across the six-yard box yeah. to Luke Ayling. Luke Ayling, who and, and off up we, to that point goes, hasn't had a great game. <laughs> no, a lot, a lot of misplaced passes from Luke Ayling in, in this game. Um, and obviously he wasn't the only one, but the, there was a few struggled to really impose themselves on the game and then in the last 20 minutes started to look knackered as well. Um, but yeah, just just absolutely bombs down the right-hand side. Yeah, good ball into click, click out to Costa, and Ailing just keeps going and going. Yeah. It's a great overlap, and it's a good pullback. I know the defender gets a touch before it gets to Hernandez, but it's a good pullback. And uh, I mean, for me, it's it's always been when we've been strongest is when we've actually got to the byline and we make those pullbacks. That's yeah. when I've always thought we look most dangerous. It's something that Swansea did well is they stopped us doing that. Yeah. I mean, just playing that because on paper it's three four one two, and that's what I expected it to be. But Gallagher played like basically man marking Calvin Phillips all game. And then when they had the ball, Phillips man marked him. So they almost took it. They took each other out of the game at points. And to be honest, I think Gallagher got the better of that battle. Yeah, and I think, I think overall you've got to give a lot of credit to Swansea. They, they, when they attacked, they attacked pretty well. Yeah, but they never uh, actually created out. No, I'd, but, uh, but I'd, it was I'd, it was that IU dropped off as well and just left Brewster kind of up front. So. It was almost a bit. It was almost like they had six in midfield at points, and that's why. And then that's why Leeds just couldn't play through them. Yeah, um, it did a very good job. Closes down in the wide areas. It forces to play centrally more often, or, or yeah. looking for those those long diagonals a bit yeah. more often. They forced us long really well because they let Cooper and White have the ball, but as soon as it went to anyone else, they pressed them. Yeah. And that, um, that's why there were so many long balls. And for the most part, one, we're not amazing at that, but more than that, like Cooper, Cooper's long balls weren't probably at the best and neither were White's. Mm. They weren't awful or anything, but we just couldn't quite get it going. But that's what made it, that's what made it so good. And that that finish from Hernandez, it's, I'm so glad I was watching on LUTV because Bryn Law was fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was just amazing, and and once this come in the eighty eighth, eighty ninth minute of of a of a tense game, I, I know, I'm I'm going to say now I'm sat here just looking at that video on repeat now of of 
the uh, the camera angle that's that's kind of pulled out so you can see most of the field. Oh, with and just uh, everyone, just Melier just breaking the hundred meter record. Everyone pulling off the subs bench and just bombing down to to celebrate. <laughs> it's it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Some of those lads that have been subbed have, have suddenly just got the energy again to to really get down there. Mm. Um, well, because... what I would say with this game, and I do, I think Swansea did really well. I think they played, they were definitely a lot better than they were at Ellen Road, and the beaters there. Mm. But yeah. I do think that from what I've seen online, the Swansea fans are overlegging it slightly. They seem to think they got robbed in this game. I would say it was very even. Yeah, you could make the case that they deserved a point. I mean, the only the only real chance I can think of that 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 would have been that could have been a goal would be the Gallagher chance that was tipped over, and even then it was a fairly routine save for Melier. Yeah, they had that, and Brewster had one straight at the keeper in the first half. Uh, that's about it. And then um, you, you kind of match that with Bamford had the diving header that was that was straight at the keeper. Yeah, which w- I would argue that that is a much much better chance than both of their chances combined. Yeah, and I think he also had a. I think he also went through one on one, didn't he, from a long ball, which he actually took down really well. Yeah, well, it was a, a that was one of the long balls that worked out, but it hit. Uh, I think it was Mark Gehi, which I think is still how he, I think it's Gehi. I'm not sure he pronounced his name. Uh, but it like hit him on the back and dropped to Bamford and he just swung his right foot at it and hit it straight at Woodman yeah I'm still trying to figure out how what happened to Woodman in the goal because the five minutes after the goal oh I'm not sure what madness I'm, in fact I'm just going to google to see what happened with that injury because my best guess is that he took a bad landing on his hip or something from the way he was because he was really struggling yeah, well, I mean, he went off, didn't he? Yeah, he, so he gets... So Leeds already had a sub lined up, which seemed to be Barry Douglas. Then, uh, there's, 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 no, there's nothing when you Google it in the news thing, so it must yeah. not have been said yet. So Barry Douglas was going to come on. Then Leeds seemed to change their mind and put Baradi on instead. Then Swansea go to make two subs to put a couple of attackers on. The game restarts, and then within 30 seconds, the game stops again because Woodman's down injured. Uh, yeah, he must have just landed wrong or something. Yeah, but it's it, but we we played four and a half minutes of the stoppage time by the time we pretty much restarted. Yeah, it finished on about 98, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but the thing that was so big for me about this game... Was well, I well, I genuinely think that it is the most I've ever celebrated a goal, not in a ground. Like this, I celebrated this as you would have thought that I was in the stadium. I <laughs> I sort of just fell to the floor off the sofa. I just just fell forward and just started slapping the ground. Um, yeah. uh, it was, but this that game. Tight game all the way through with all the pressure on. That's the game that last season we would have not won. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and especially yeah, at this point last season, we'd well almost thrown in the towel. Well, the, the equivalent game last season was Wigan at home. Oh God! So we were we were in the process of this is where it, this is where it all fell apart <laughs> last season. <sighs> and then, I mean, to cap it off for me, and uh, like straight afterwards, I had to I had to take my mom and, and drop her off. She was going for lunch with some friends, so I put marching on together on the on the way there and on the way back. I was listening to to Leeds United, and mm. just. I was I was getting very emotional at this point, and then to see the square ball tweet, you know, does anyone else feel like crying? I was like, yep, that's me. I, I'm on the edge here. So I've just checked to see what the price was. Uh, for some reason, Betfair are only ten to one, but we don't go up. But that's just because they've laid so much money off Leeds fans doing insurance bets. I think. Yeah. Uh, because they're not even offering us to be promoted anymore. We were one to two hundred, just like you know, an hour after the game. Oh, uh, that five thirty-eight place had us at what, like, way over ninety-nine percent, like over ninety-nine percent. Yeah. Uh, so I'm currently like sixty percent confident. Four, four <laughs> points from three games. That's what we need. Yeah, like I. I that's why I told you off on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I, I, I feel it. I feel oh, it in my waters. No, I mean, I I <laughs> cannot bring myself to think that. But I will feel confident if West Brom and Brentford get beaten midweek. <laughs> if we need one point from three games, I'll start to feel <laughs> confident. <laughs> Part of me thinks... Part of me feels like we'll get we could get the four points from the next two games, and you'd still go into the into the Charlton game thinking, "I'm not sure about this." Just, just doesn't feel safe. Yeah, I've been burned too many times to get ahead of myself. That's it. It's one of the things I find quite funny is is a lot of people on Twitter asking why people are being so negative or so worried. I'm like, have you not watched Leeds? that much because we've got a lot of reason to be pessimistic you know just just in in my lifetime there's two playoff finals a league cup final that we've lost two relegations it's yeah. um and we're, know, and we're you know two financial and meltdowns on, and we're only 30 yeah <laughs> in um, footballing terms we've we've lived long lives here well, if if as Leeds fans you're looking for a reason that it could all go wrong, there is one major reason why it could all go wrong. Kiko's band's done. Christ. He, right. He shouldn't it's, even be near the squad. He's not going to be in the squad. <laughs> he's not going to be in the squad. He shouldn't be allowed. He should barely be allowed to go to Fort Barge in a minute. It's Melia's shirt. He's earned it. Yeah. He's played eight games. He's kept, what, five clean sheets? Kiko couldn't have run up field that fast. No, I'm just uh, I'm just thinking back through the games. Has there been any... Wait, uh, the first goal away at Cardiff, he maybe could have done a little bit better. Mm. But, like, that's about it, isn't it? 
Yeah, there's been there's been no. He's not really caused an error that's led to a goal. Yeah, he certainly hasn't screwed out up. Because like goals he's conceded, there's Armstrong's free kick again for Blackburn. He had absolutely no chance with that. He couldn't have saved the one against Luton. He, he, the first one against Cardiff, maybe. Second one, he had no chance. And then we beat what Huddersfield 2-0. I'm just trying to think back through the results. Yeah, it was the whole game. Clean sheet. Yeah. Arsenal. And... Uh, no, because and that whole game, that's as far that's as far back as he played, isn't it? Yeah. That was his first one. Yeah, and the Arsenal one, there wasn't really much you could do about that either. It was a tapping. Yeah. So I think he's definitely I mean, for me he's he's definitely number one and I don't think that's where we're what we're gonna need. But so we got, I'm I'm still phrasing it like this, regardless of which division, I'm fine with him as number one next season. <laughs> um yeah, I on the strength of how he's performed in in these games, and and you know at this stage, yes, it's only a small sample size, but he can, he he has played against both good and bad teams in this division, and he he stood up to the task well. Yeah, he hasn't had any games. You know, he hasn't had to have a Silvestri away at Middlesbrough game. Oh God! You know where Silvestri was. I mean, that day he was Buffon that day. <laughs> Uh, even though it, normally it wasn't, it would never but, last. But like in, in, in at the minute with the way Leeds play, even even if we go up, the way we're playing, I don't think he's going to be facing fourteen shots on target again. Yeah, he's, all, he's, he's unless we play like Man City, and if we get battered by them, it doesn't matter. I mean, if we're making comparisons to other goalkeepers as well, he is he's he's a long way away from a, a Viedvald away at QPR. Yeah, yeah, but I let him off with that. By a bounce. I let him off with that one because I back through one. <laughs> um, I, but I honestly, I thought that against Swansea, he had a particularly good game. I thought some of his quick distribution were good. He had there was a couple of eight simple saves, and he kept hold of them. The one fairly difficult save he had, he made tipping over that Gallagher one. But the thing I was really pleased with is, and I mean, I think he only caught two. But they put quite a lot of good balls in the box and he got a punch on all of them. Yeah, they're very confident coming for crosses and there's, again, in this whole run, there's one or two times when he's he's, pro, he's not got to something he's come out for and not, not connected with it as well as he should. But on the whole, he's he's dealt with the crosses very well. He's, he's a decent shot stopper. Yeah. Com- and, you know, confident distributing. And it's easy to forget because it sounds like... Sounds like he's going to be what about five million pound? Yeah, along those lines. But you know, he's the he's France's you know he's French youth international. He's still only twenty. Yeah. And he's only just twenty. He was born I mean, in March two thousand. He's only twenty, and his voice is that deep. Yeah. <laughs> the he sultry tones in, of Eli Melia. Did that interview, and I got pregnant. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd find it a, unless we had someone lined up I would find it a very odd decision if we didn't make this permanent yeah oh, I think especially if we go up he's definitely been made permanent because even if they did have a 
another keeper lined up. He'd be a great person to have behind him. And I so, think that we'll just play him. Because, I mean, I think that we will sign... I think that we probably will sign a goalkeeper in summer. Treble, win, treble winning Andy on again. No, we'll have Scott Carson. Uh, but no, because look, everyone's assuming Kiko's going, and I really hope so. But it, you'd think that him going back to Spain is best for all parties, especially Kiko. Yeah, but especially Lisa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, and I wouldn't think because uh, I think Mia's ex contract's up as well. Yeah, and he probably needs to go play somewhere now. Yeah, he's he's 23 now, is he? Yeah, so he probably, you know, go to, I don't know, a low-end championship club or League One club. Or there was rumours that he's off to Rangers at one point. Mm. But, like, he's always seemed like a solid keeper, but he needs to go play football. But I think Elliot Capriel is probably too young. Yeah. To be second choice. Uh, no, I'm not. Will Huffer has either been injured forever or he's just out of favour. And colourblind. Yeah, well, and... <laughs> I mean, I'm not holding it against him, but... But he is. Um, and I haven't heard much of Harrison Mayle developing to any great degree. Yeah. I mean, I know he's, I know that he's involved with England at youth level. So maybe maybe he's going to be good, but that's not something I know much about. So I think if Kiko goes, whether it's a backup to Melier, which I think is probably the likely one, Leeds will need a keeper in the summer. Yeah, I mean, we could, for me, for how he's done, I'd I'd love to I'd love to make Melia number one. And yeah, he's already got the shirt. And just give him give him a couple of years to develop further than he already has. Yeah. Uh, this one is uh, I don't think that there's other than obviously Jack Charlton which we've talked about I don't think there has been anything news wise has there uh, no because obviously we've talked about Costa becoming permanent we didn't say much about it because the deal was done at the start of the season uh, I for what it's worth like I don't think Costa has done enough to yet say he's looked a good signing for 15 million but I think he's he's been fine and I think he'll get better yeah, the a lot of players seem to be better second season under Bielsa. It was, I mean, it was quite nice. Obviously, the day after the the you know they essentially became official, he wins the penalty, gets an assist, gets an, and gets a goal. Yeah, which is which is quite nice. So, um, well, we'll only preview one game because we'll come back. We'll try and do more frequent at the minute because everything's quite close. So Barnsley at home on Thursday. Yes, it is. Um, it's top versus bottom. Are they? Are they actually Again, bottom now? They are bottom. Yes, a point behind Luton. I tell yeah. you what, it, it makes for brilliant reading. Just, just the options for relegation. Yeah, because there's a lot of teams down there that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd, I'd happily see Neil Warnock get relegated again. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is with this game, like it's look, it's Leeds, so we're going to feel nervy about it either way. But Tuesday, five o'clock, West Brom play Fulham. 
Fulham win. That's what you want. That or the draw. Either one. You just don't... Because, yeah, I mean, technically... I, I've been using... I, ne- I, wa- I never want a result that will make third closer to us. And if Fulham won that, they would be one point closer to us than Brentford are now. But like, well, it would it, also be with two games left. But it would be with two games left. But there's that, and then Wednesday at five o'clock, Brentford play Preston. Like, depending on those results, this game could feel totally different. Yeah. But I would assume, at the very least, that Brentford will win. And I think that they'll probably both win. I've already put my jinx double on both of them. Which, Which doesn't I, really seem to... It doesn't seem to work too much, although it was quite nice with, with Blackburn getting yeah, the point. It was great. I, I've never been happier to lose a bet. And, uh, <laughs> and a nice little uh, touchline scuffle in that one as well. Yeah. But, man, man wants his ball back. Yeah, but Barnsley... Like, Barnsley have probably been... I, can't, I don't know if I could say that they're better than the position suggests. But most of the times when I've watched them, they've looked all right. I I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I haven't seen enough of them to kind of say that. But as a squad, it it definitely looks like a weak squad for this division. Yeah, they... um. Yeah, it's, it's not good. I've just had a look. I've just got that XG table back up. They're 11th in that. Which would suggest that they probably have been a bit better than position suggests. Uh, I mean, I go as far as to say is that the XG table means absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Are you saying that the table is lying? It, it, that that table does tell lies. <laughs> if Johnny Wookiee was talking about XG, then yes, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> um. uh, you know, it was still got obviously Adua, Halma, and Mowat there, yeah. and I assume that Alex Mowat is just their best player. Uh, I believe he's definitely one of them. Oh, hang on! I've just been shouted for dinner. Oh. <laughs> right. Well, you're an adult, so what you're going to have to do is be on for another three minutes because that's okay. about all we've got left. Because uh, we're not coming back to record the last three minutes. So, yeah, but, like, Mowat's a good player. Collie Woodrow hasn't scored a load lately, but he's a good player as well. I'll be two minutes. (laughs) 30 years old, ladies and gentlemen. 30 years old. Um. I'm recording the podcast. But yeah, they're 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 right down there for a reason. They are lacking quality. Yeah, I'd... but they, you know, like Connor Chaplin's a decent player up front. Uh, I don't really, I haven't seen enough of Jacob Brown to really comment. But Woodrow and Chaplin are good. Mowat's quality just can't run. Um, I'd... I can't really. There's no point in us getting into it much. So what's your prediction? Because you know that I'm predicting us to lose because it's worked lately. I'm I'm going to go with a three nil win. A three nil win because and Paul Barnsley as well because of these three games they've got left: us, Forest, Brentford. Yeah, it is a very tough one. <laughs> like, 
I know a point can move you about, but they really need to win one of these. Yeah. You'd think that they'll just sit behind ball and, t- and if they're still in it after 75 minutes, maybe then they'll have a go. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say that we're going to get beat 1-0 because I'm saying it all the time because we keep winning. So I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, but as KC has to go have his tea, <laughs> uh, that will that will do us for episode 74 of Mighty White's podcast. Uh, we're at, on Twitter at Mighty White's pod. The stuff we write goes up and through it all together which is on Twitter at THRU. It's all LUFC. Uh, go get your food. I've been Jack in a bit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.